Are we live? What's up, vulnerable people? Y'all powerful, you know. And you know, some of us be out here, you know, moving real mighty, you know. But those of us that's really moving like that, we know the most gangster thing that you can do, yes, sir. Yes, sir. To at the beginning of the All the Way Live podcast, we bike. What up? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. It's another week. We back. We back. Me and Miles are back from vacation, if you will. It wasn't so much of a vacation for for some of us because travel. It's a whole bunch of travel, but we still appreciate absolutely everybody for rocking with us the way that y'all have been rocking with us. We are back with another show of that carefully curated content. We done flew around the world to give you guys a better perspective on what some consider some very caliente topics. You know what I'm saying? And you know how we do it. We do it through carefully curated conversation consistently on a weekly basis for your cranium. Don't we do that, bro? It's pretty much all we do. I don't really be doing that much else. You know what I mean? <laughs> hey, man. The way this is this, this all the way live podcast, the sole purpose of this show that me and my brother put together every single week is so that people have a place of positive, intentful energy that they can come to and listen to some dope conversations. And this week, we're getting into some pretty interesting stuff. We're going to be talking about some abortion with the Roe v. Wade case that's happening in Texas. We're going to be speaking about South Africa's unemployment rate. We're reviewing Certified Lover Boy. We're reviewing Donda. Anything that we have might have missed out on the week before, we're going to be covering it into this week because we don't care whether it's one person, 10 people, 10,000 people, a million people. Absolutely, everybody is welcome on this show. That's right. And this one is jam-packed. Jam-packed. It's a jamboree. And it's brought to you by... Joe Burger, you already know what's going on, man. Joe Burger's in the building, back again. My brother alluded to some of the travel that's been going on, but we back, baby, you know what I'm saying? For a limited time. Back for a limited time. You never know what man's might have to make moves to next, where this podcast will be recorded from next, man. And, and, and speaking about all the different places this podcast can be recorded from, we always got to lift up the city of Chicago, man. We got to lift up that stolen land that we typically record from. And I say typically because now is not a typical time. It's not typical. I'm in Scotland. Y'all at home asking, why would we be in Scotland? That's a good question. <laughs> We're going to get to the bottom of why Miles is in Scotland. Um, have you downloaded any new Scottish accent, twang, slang that you can share with us? I haven't. I haven't. And as I was telling you before, man, I expected a lot of that. That real thick Scottish kilt, bagpipe reminiscent accent. And, you know, as, as I think is becoming more common around the world, and or maybe just more common to us as we travel more, is that... It's not that different a community, you know, than, than we see in the States, man. People loving their shawarma, loving their pizza. You know what I'm saying? People loving their coffee, loving their tea. I've heard all sorts of accents, including American, including Scottish, including languages that I have no clue what they are. But that's the beauty of traveling, exposing yourself to new things, being surprised by new spaces. I've been hooping in Scotland. Like every couple of days, you know what I'm saying? I got a little ball out here. There's a court right down the street. So it's different. It's been a great space to decompress, to 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 be to dive into the distractions before I have to get back to 
really making it happen, trapping with all the traction that we usually be making, making go on. But yeah, it's the it's the same and it's different. It's familiar and I'm learning. It's a it's a great space to be. And I encourage all of y'all out there to go travel. We got a Labor Day right coming up here in the States, man. Y'all got a little bank holiday. Take your little Monday. Do some do something different. That's yep. My- yep. I was speaking to somebody just off of that that travel tangent. You know, I was speaking to somebody that who would say, man, I wish I could get out of my city. I wish I could, you know, um, and meet new people and 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 explore and and get out of the country. And what 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 I was able to impart on him is that there is a certain energy that you that you approach life with. Right, that you approach the universe with that'll eventually open that. And I think a lot of us can have what some what what uh what has been referred to as a uh, destination disease or as a destination um I believe I think it's destination dysmorphia. That's what it is. Destination dysmorphia. I like that. Right, where you are constantly where you're constantly linking your source of happiness and your mindset towards a particular destination on some man i will only be happy once i get to move or i'll only start to explore and have an, an expanding mind and engaging with interesting people once i have moved when in fact that is a state of mind and once you open your your mind to that type of energy and you put yourself in situations that are uncomfortable for you and into new situations and open yourself to learning that's when the universe starts providing you with these opportunities that can actually then allow you to seamlessly continue to expound into different places because you've expanded your network and therefore have expanded your opportunities of being able to do that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, I never want to take for granted what a privilege it is to be able to come see my people, spend time with my people. I'm going to be going to a wedding in a couple of days just to be able to travel for such celebratory reasons. I feel like a lot of times, you know, we're not really making moves unless it's a unless it's a funeral, unless somebody passed, unless somebody's sick. So especially in the past, you know, 18 months that we've had with COVID. So it's amazing to be able to travel for positive reasons, but it's also a privilege to be able to do that. So I always want to bring it back to remind folks that like, even if you don't have the ability to, you know, jump on a plane and, and do that traveling, I'd be feeling like I'm in a whole nother world when I go to the West side sometimes, you know what I'm saying? From the South side to the West side, you know? So, or, or when I engage in something that I don't typically engage in, right? You take a brother that spends all of his time at underground hip hop shows and put him at a improv comedy thing up North. You know what I'm saying? It's all about breaking those boundaries. It's all about expanding your horizons. It's all about new experiences. And you don't have to necessarily pull your passport out to experience something new. So within the parameters, whatever your locale is, whatever your your means are, uh, explore. Yeah, definitely. And it's always very, it's a a clear mindset when you start to decide that, listen, I'm just going to open myself to different experiences, right? And that can come in different forms depending on the, the type of energy you choose to attract. But I, I for one, am somebody that believes in the power of, of affirmations and of saying things and, and the power that your words begin to have, right? I, for instance, I was reading, whether I was reading um, on a, a book called Leading Brain, right? And also Deepak, um, Eckhart, Eckhart Tolle talks about this, where he says, the a there was a study that was done on the study that was done on uh students that were going to test 
on a test that everybody has studied for in a short amount of time. And on some of the students, they on one of the controlled case studies, they were instructed to affirm that they were going to do well on this test, where the other were not necessarily given that instruction. And by the simple by the simple practice of affirming that they're going to do it, there was a noticeable difference in the scores that they were able to test out on, right? And so it's uh, it's the same practice that they employ when they speak about how do you manage stage fright. You know, we're people that um, do a few public things, and how do you handle those nerves? One of those things is is declaring the difference between excitement and anxiety because they operate in the same part of the brain. So when you do start feeling anxious about something you're about to do, declaring almost verbally the difference in separating what those are so that then you can rely more so on the excitement of it and understand that you're not actually being anxious, you're excited, but you need to speak it into existence. It's some trippy, trippy stuff. It is. It is. And it's important to know yourself. It's important to be able to recognize that anxiety flaring up. It's, an, it's important to have your, your own little uh, life hacks and shortcuts to calming yourself down. So whether that's deep breaths, some meditation. Um, I know for me, when I'm about to speak publicly and I start to feel that like anxiousness bubbling up, I always just tell myself, just like, you'll be good as soon as you start talking. Because once you start talking, it's, it's almost harder to stop. It's almost harder to be silent in front of the crowd, for me at least, than it is to keep going. So I always feel like, even if you're nervous, whatever, think about that, how you want to, that first impression you want to make, and you'll be good from there. But it's important to know is that. Is that you? What's up? Is that your, is that your, your go-to? Is, so say you're about to go on a, let's say you're doing a TV, a TV spot, right? So do you, is your mindset, are you thinking to yourself, let me just get let me just start talking. Everything will be okay once I am in the action of it. Is that what you're thinking? Yeah. And it's like, it's like, what is the, what is the energy that I want to convey? What is the energy that I want to come across? And sometimes that's like, that's very close to myself. Sometimes it's like, oh, this is just an opportunity to be yourself, talk about something you care about. And it gets real easy to get into my bag at that point. Cause it's like, well, that's what I do every Sunday when we come here to talk to y'all. You know what I mean? Like I have such a, a, a well, curated well cared for reservoir oh i'm getting in my bag to talk about stuff i care about boom easy but there's other times where it's like i have to be more professional or a little bit more concerned about what i'm saying or how it's coming across and in that moment it's like well what is what is your point what is how do you want people to feel when they're done hearing you and sometimes i want to be the fun educator sometimes i want to be the serious activist sometimes i want to be you know the the hopeful voice and i think about whatever i want that to be the kind of words that encapsulate that you know related to what i'm going to be talking about and i just focus on that and remember that it's not sometimes a lot of times when you're speaking in front of an audience it's not really about you it might be a big moment for you you know what i mean you might be worried about how nervous you're going to be but a lot of times you're in the context of a larger event. You're, it's an opportunity to educate, allow people to have fun and refocus on that. You know what I mean? Everybody's not thinking, how are you about to do in this moment? They're just here for the show. So give them the show. Yeah, give them the show. I like what you said about being able to like envision the type of energy that you want to be able to give out and the type of person you want to be out. Like that's, that's also something that I do, which is like a lot of visualization, right? Where it's like, I right, cool. What type of energy do I want to embody? Do I want to come off cool? Do I want to come off confident? Do I want to come off, um, do I want to come off 
let's say highly specialized, right? Do I want to come off uh, a, a verbally vi- vicious with some virtuosity, you know, or do I want to come off as as that or and, and then almost the practice is almost hypnotizing yourself by going through the entire processes and motions down to the action, right? Down to what, how do I want to sit? How do I want to look? What, what, what posture do I want to be able to hold? And then begin to begin to embody that, right? And seeing and checking out examples. One thing that I do before I do anything before a lot of times, and I tell you this all the time, we will watch, um, We'll watch Dr. Cornell West. I'll do. I'll watch Cornell West on Joe Rogan. I absolutely love, love that conversation because that is just what intellect, passion, and a wondrous mind look like. All just engaging at its highest level. This man is fiercely articulate and fiercely intelligent, but has. A, a a deep desire to 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 want to understand more you know and that's such a beautiful thing especially when you want to be educated about something being educated by someone that's excited to learn is always it feels like a it, it feels like um an activity being done with the person you're learning from as opposed to being dictated to right so i'll watch that and then i'll probably watch some jay-z you know i think jay-z's one i think jay-z's just too cool I love what you said about that. I love what you said about, you know, being educated by somebody who's like looking to connect with you rather than to impress you with like what they know or to just dump all this knowledge on you. And that's something that like, yeah, I think we both try and embody the Joe Rogan Cornell West interview, the Jay-Z Breakfast Club interview. Uh, and you even you even referenced a little bit of Michael Eric Dyson's conversation with Combat Jack. Rest in peace to the go Combat Jack uh, in there a little bit, too. So it's important to know what are those examples of, of how you want to come off or, or what confidence looks like to you? Um, before every basketball tryout I ever had, I watched this VHS, Michael Jordan, come fly with me. And I never didn't make a basketball team, right? And a big part of it was that routine, getting up, feeling those nerves, putting on the basketball socks. You know what I'm saying? Not putting on the shoes yet because you only wear those in the gym. You're not about to wear those expensive basketball shoes out on the street before you go to the gym. Don't work like that. You got your shorts on and everything and watching that video definitely got me in that mode so know what your uh pre-fight routine is you know know what your walkout song is and whatever you know arena that might be applicable and know who your trainers are right i have the before i got my first job out of college and i think again before i got the job i work at now i know before i got the job when i went to college i spoke to not only you but also your mom and that put me just in a, a zen state of like however this goes i'm on the right team i'm on the right path the people behind me will not allow me to fail because of how they support me how they take care of each other and the ecosystem that i'm a part of and you and it's important to be able to tap into that to talk to those people that rub your shoulders you know what i'm saying wipe your brow with the towel make sure your gloves is wrapped up tight before you jump into whatever you're about to jump into so i appreciate you being encourage everybody to find those people that uh that put them in the right frame of mind you know Definitely, definitely. Hey, man, we got we got a whole bunch of stuff that we need to be able to speak about um, in pre-production. We're able to get down uh, a topic that's that's slightly that's slightly personal to me. I mean, personal to all of us, which is that recently they were saying how like South Africa's unemployment rate is the highest in the world right now. Right. So South Africa now currently has the highest unemployment rate sitting at 
44.4%, right? So 44.4% 44, 44 of South Africans are unemployed, which is uh, the, highest, the highest unemployment rates in the world. Hey, y'all, come look at this. Cool. Um, just re just reading off of Al Jazeera right quick, if, if I can. South Africa's unemployment rate surged to the highest on a global... I, have a, I always do that. I read way too fast. South Africa's unemployment rate surged to the highest on a global list of 82 countries monitored by Bloomberg. The jobless rate rose to 34.4% in the second quarter from 326 in the three months through March. Statistics South Africa said in Tuesday report released in the capital Pretoria. The median of three economists estimates in a Bloomberg survey that 33.2%, um, the, the median is 33.2%. Unemployment, according to expanded definition, which includes people who were available to work but not looking for job, rose to 44.4% from 43.2% in the first quarter. While the unemployment rate is now the highest of the countries tracked by Bloomberg, the data from some of those nations is outdated. And then the countries that follow there are South Africa, Namibia, Nigeria, Jordan, Costa Rica, Tunisia, Greece, Brazil, Colombia. 44.4% South Africa's unemployment rate, right? And if you even look at what that looks like from a what that looks like from a youth unemployment from a youth unemployment sec, uh, perspective, they're saying that 80% of South Africa's youth are currently unemployed, which would be anybody under 20 they're 28. Mm. Mm. 30, 31, I believe. 31, yeah. Yeah, that's a incredibly tough economic situation. Um, and we've had, a, we've had a couple of opportunities to discuss this, so I'll, I'll kind of quick, quickly highlight the, some of the thoughts that immediately come to mind for me, uh, including the rioting that we saw just a couple of months ago, right? Um, and now there were political implications to that. Uh, so I don't want to be too direct in saying cause and effect or implying that. But a quote that uh, circulates often, I think, in the context of uprisings, in the context of rioting, is that rioting is the language of the oppressed. And even if we can have a deeper discussion about the effectiveness and when the destruction of property is an appropriate and effective form of protest. Um, I think what continues to ring true is that people are frustrated. People break shit when they're frustrated. People break shit when they don't feel like they have opportunity and options. And when they feel like taking shit is the only way that they're going to get it. Um, and I think that these see these numbers um, starts to color in the edges of a little bit of, of what we saw. So I would love for you to kind of give us a little bit more color commentary on why you feel like this is the case, what, if any, political economic decisions have led us here, and, and then we can start to talk about what the way forward might be. It, it, I mean, there's no escaping the role that mismanagement of governments and government funds have played in this particular instance, right? Now, we, Sapphic comes from a time, say, beginning in 2007, when Jacob, President Jacob Zuma came into power, 
we experienced a very down, a strong downward trajectory of growth of of just growth. So downward trajectory of 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 GDP decline that was exacerbated by corporate malfeasance, right? So corruption essentially, um, government malfeasance. It's frustrating, Miles. It's super frustrating, bro. It, it's actually quite emotional because what we have been saying is wrong with the government continues to show itself in the most ugliest, in the, in the ugliest ways, right? We saw the, the rioting and the looting, which was a reflection of the desperation that people have and also the, the, the disgusting nature that politics has in order for it to even allow for something like this to be done under that banner. This was not done under the banner of say a this was not done under a police shooting for instance right which we've seen become was the catalyst for the 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 protest that happened in the US this was under a political banner right so the the country right now is in a place where things are desperate things are definitely desperate you know we say that the have nots in these in these disempowered communities in the hood, niggas is depressed, hooked on drugs, and suicide, right? It's depression, suicide, unemployment, it's, and, and drug addiction is through, through, through the roof. So it's, it really does make me want to be able to, to, to contribute by being able to empower people to create jobs, to create jobs. It's, it's, it's that simple. That is my, that is my, the, the, the protest that I want to have towards this figure is to do good business and try and empower more people to create jobs is, is what it is. Mm. Mm. And I think the political um, side of the other side of that coin politically is how do we make sure that government is held accountable to facilitating that, right? How do we make sure that any barriers that are placed to entrepreneurs, independent entrepreneurs, independent entrepreneurs of color, female independent entrepreneurs of color are eliminated, right? How do we make sure that those barriers are being eliminated? How do we make sure that banks' lending practices are fair to people who pursue loans related to opportunities that create jobs? How do we make sure that the pressure is on the people in power to provide these opportunities that are that are necessary? Um, and a lot of cases where we're expected to rely on the trickle down effect when it comes to issues like this, right? Governments yeah. will hand out more money to corporations, which will then create more jobs. But what I hear you saying is that let those jobs be created by the people on the ground, the people that are trying to feed their families and have ideas and ambition and uh there are entrepreneurs and and people that that want to support local businesses and so we're not we're not content with uh waiting for whatever money is handed out to those with the deepest pockets to to runneth over onto those of us who are waiting in frustration definitely definitely and you nailed it over the head when you by encapsulating what the solution can be and i think one of the big issues right is that we expect government to be able to create jobs. That's a sentiment that you hear a lot of African countries say. That's a sentiment that is prevalent in a lot of um in, in in a lot of impoverished countries where the government is the main employer of the people in those areas, right? Um 
that that to me is a, is almost a fault in the system, especially when you look at who does the most amount of job creation. It's actually not even large corporations that employ the most amount of people. It's small, medium enterprises, small, medium, small, medium enterprises encapsulate about 55 to 60 percent of most job creation. Right. So this is the, the, the six, seven people that are, are employing people. I mean, if we think about being in the hood, you think about how many people, how many large corporations in the hood is. There's not that many, but how many mom, how many small stores, convenience stores that populate that whole area are the ones that are employing people small, you know, there's, it's that, it's that reality. So you would, the solution would be that though that the ability to be able to do that and to sustain that type of, and to sustain that type of business is supported to some extent by the tax revenues that people are working hard to con contribute towards the development of the country. When those revenues get siphoned, you end up in a place where even the small things that are supposed to make it easier for people to start these small, medium enterprise job creation opportunities, there, there, is, no, there is no support that can come from there. Because from, as someone that has started something, there's a lot of privilege and luck that has taken place to be able to get to a place where we have been able to create something that can fail. It hasn't been outsmarts it hasn't been a superior a superior understanding of things it's, it's it's privilege and support and that's what it is right so for that that opportunity should not be limited just to the people that have access to privilege and support that has to be something that is just that has to be a system that's able to support the people that want to be able to do it, even if it's something small, to be able to get them started and going. To rely just on the banks for that is just a broken system. And that's where we are. That's where we are right now as a country. Yeah. Well, thank you. And I, I especially appreciate you being humble around the, 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 the origins of your own opportunities that you've created. But nah. Big jobs. Big jobs. Big bosses lay in the building. You know what I'm saying? That's something that we need to lift up and celebrate if that's something that we are, we're saying that we want to see more of. Um, so let me ask you a question out of ignorance, or I guess out of needing to do a little bit more research. Where does education play into, play into this? Where does access to education play into it um, at all levels, right? The, from basic grade school, secondary school, all the way on to college. Is that a factor in this, in this unemployment conversation? It is. It is. And that's a great pickup, right? Because that's one of the main things that have been noted as a barrier for people to be able to participate in what is increasingly becoming a, a, a more specialized market, right? South Africa is a place where there are a lot of analysts and there are a lot of lawyers. So the education system in South Africa has taken a hit because there was a, we were experiencing a period prior to 2004 where the pass rates for our matriculants, which would be senior year, was quite low. And so in order to be able to accommodate that, they dropped the barometer for what it takes to be able to, to qualify. And then from there, we saw some of our uh, pass figures, uh, some of our pass rates go up. What that bank, it was warned that the generation that comes from there will struggle to be able to participate in the market because what they're because of, of, of what the education system has allowed them to do. Do I fully believe in that? I think it does play a particular role, but a more important statistic that stands out to me is I was reading Malcolm Gladwell's Outliers, right? And in Outliers, 
he speaks of a Stanford study that was done for the for stu- for high high school students who do standardized testing in the U.S. and they were looking at the students that usually score within the top the top fifteen percent of all students, and then from that be able to break apart exactly how those students. I mean, these are students that are getting G, um that are getting um. Um, um, IQ tests over 170, which which is what you'd consider genius level, right? And so you take those kids, and then they look at how those kids have performed over the their, their over the, the 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 progress of their professional careers. How did these people do? What you end up finding is that there is a small percentage of people that from that subgroup that ends up becoming very successful, and then there is a larger part in the middle that just ends up becoming living relatively average 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 and moderately successful lives and then there's a portion at the end that becomes by just objectively failures and when they looked at the specifics of what was the key separation between those two uh those two ends on the one side these are children that came from well uh, that came from um impoverished not impoverished sorry wealthy homes a good home both parents are graduated both parents have a job. There's an environment and an, and an institutional appreciation for learning. There's books around, whatever. On the other end, the students came from the 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 the, the objective failures came from impoverished household, right? Low income communities. So even a child that is bestowed with a genius brain will succumb to the realities of what their situation and their environment is, despite what their brain capacities can be, and even end up becoming an objective failure. So when I look at, when we look at that, right, I think a bigger contributor to what this unemployment rate is, it does encapsulate the, the, the school element, but then it speaks towards a larger poverty issue and the impact that that has on ability of a child to be able to perform and to, to, to be able to perform and, and become successful. So the South Africa, South Africa right now is just, we're, we're a snake eating its own tail. Mm. Well, I want to I want to thank you and, and show my appreciation for you kind of clearing, clarifying that, walking us through the different aspects of this economic, educational. Um, and yeah, I, I, I as far as employment, we're we're lifting up opportunities for folks to to create jobs. So if you have a business out there, yes, y'all audience, something that needs to be shouted out, lifted it up, let us know. So that we can lift it up here on this podcast. You can hear it. Other people can hear that my boy Zway is creating jobs, that you are creating jobs. You know what I'm saying? I'm in the city when I'm in the city trying to create opportunities for folks. You know what I'm saying? We got the 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 incubator for nonprofits at the University of Chicago. We're trying to we're trying to lift up opportunities that are community focused, community led that empower community. So if you are with that, getting with that, in the mix of that, please give us more to celebrate, to talk about, and to share. Thank you for bringing this this uh, this topic to to our stumbled upon segment. I think it's beautiful when we can we can talk about shit that's going on in the U.S. and South Africa and Europe and and connect it all to the themes of this show, which are community and and uh, creating opportunities and and lifting up voices of youth and marginalized peoples. So cheers. Just that, just that. Hey, man, let's get into the sponsor segment of this show. Uplifting those that are part of this community. So if you got something that you know we need to uplift, it can go right here in this segment. 
See where it says sponsor ads? It got your brand. You know what I'm saying? See this thing that done popped up, this picture, the Mandulo that we're going to talk about? This could be you. I need y'all to think about that. I need y'all to think about, you know what I'm saying? What it could mean to have your stuff on a beautiful, illustrious podcast like this, talked about every week. You know what I'm saying? Featured with our art. We're going to focus on the, we're going to focus on the, uh, on Mandulo today, but y'all already know how we get down, man. This is an opportunity and we love to lift up community. So in the spirit of unity, let us know what y'all got going on, man. But Zway is going to tell you a little bit about Mandulo, including why it's all sorts of hot dogs and snacks and beverages and fun stuff on the screen, man. Tell them. Hey, listen, we are doing the work. We are coming up on another fun day at the Mandulo Foundation. We're about to be feeding a whole bunch of kids in Soweto. We're going to be partnering up with, I don't want to say it out loud too much, but the Nelson Mandela Foundation. We're going to be working with them. Come on, man. Come on. We're doing big things. We're doing big things. We're going to be working out with them to be able to deliver some food to the kids. And we'd absolutely love your guys' contribution. We have links that are, you know, go to my dual foundation page. We'll put the link in the, we'll put the link in the, in the description so that people can be able to donate all money that comes to us goes right into the townships that, uh, into the stores that were looted. During the looting, we take that money, we give it back to those guys so that they can start to be able to have a little bit of income. They're still going through it. You know, it's a little bit difficult still. Business hasn't picked up all the way for people. People are struggling to be able to make ends meet. So we like to shine a light upon that. If you would like to be a part of that, please, 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 please do follow. Do uh, send some cash through. We'll get it to those people. And ultimately, we're feeding these kids. They're going to have an art day. Kids are having an art day. We're going to bring some food to them. We're going to be delivering to three different orphanages in a single day to celebrate us feeding two million mouths. Two million! In the best way possible. And so... There's not much left for me to say, man. Y'all heard some incredible, incredible work that's happening there in South Africa. This segment right here is one that we include in the podcast to make space, to lift up stuff that's dope, to lift up sponsors, to lift up art. So if you fall into any of those categories, please reach out to us. We would love to have you featured right here with all the enthusiasm and love and community that we talk about all this stuff with, man. What up, Live Nation? Hit us up. Yo, y'all are the best. Y'all are absolutely the best. Thank you for letting us being able to speak about the things that we love, to include you and involve you in the things that we care about. It's an absolute privilege and honor for us to be able to do that. Um, we've already gotten some sponsorship from people that have listened, so that's absolutely big to us. To our SoundCloud listeners, we're looking at y'all. We respect y'all. More content coming your way. More content coming through for everybody, man. You know, this is a... I think it's... it's we're... we're like Miles says, we're building this thing from the ground up. We hope that people can appreciate the different types of things that we're putting into the show because ultimately the thing that keeps us coming back is y'all. Y'all are the thing that keeps coming back. Y'all matter. You care. And we bring this content for y'all, Miles. Yes, sir. And as part of that audience, y'all know what to expect, man. Y'all know we get weight. You know what I'm saying? We pick certain topics. Sometimes we get deep. But we always keep it current. Y'all know what's going on. Yes, sir. Kurt News. Zway. We're dudes, man. Yeah. We're guys, two bro. Dudes. We're two guys, me and you, Miles Xavier. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so here's a topic that uh 
it is both important for guys to talk about and shut the fuck up about. So this is a tight move. This is an interesting intersection, but I feel it was important. So I'm not currently in the States, but, uh, you know, I've been picking up tidbits and news here and there. And to my dismay and disappointment, one of those news stories that uh, has really kind of got its hooks in my mental process and it's got kind of got my wheels turning and thinking a lot more conversing with the people that's close to me is what's going on in Texas, man. And so um, Texas has implemented a ban on abortions. And while the, it, while the ban was implemented earlier last week, a lot of people were waiting for the Supreme Court to view the constitutionality of this ban. That review was very much focused around the Roe v. Wade uh, case, which set precedent for the right to choose to have abortions for women as a part of the Constitution. So up to this point, to be able to receive and have uh, an abortion in the United States was was a constitutional right, right? And it was something that was uh, confirmed by the, the case Roe v. Wade. This ban that Texas has, has implemented contradicts the findings of the court case Roe v. Wade. And so that's why a lot of people were waiting for the Supreme Court to either dismiss the ban on those grounds of that conflict with this with this case that supports people's rights or to allow it. And a lot of people are in dismay this week because the Supreme Court in a five to four decision has allowed Texas to continue this ban on abortions. And since then, 13 other states, most of them in the South, most of them with Republican uh, being Republican led as far as their their Congress and, and Senate seats have also put forth bills that will effectively ban abortions in a similar way uh, in their states. And so now we find ourselves in this space where a lot of white dudes, congressmen, senators, people in power, uh, are restricting and attempting to restrict the rights of women of mothers, of people to do with what they want with their bodies. And now we're in a very scary place, man, where, yeah, the government might be making, have an extreme amount of control over people's options once they find out that, that, they're, that they're pregnant. And I'll just think... But yeah, I want I want to get your take on this. I'll just add that kind of the one of the big sticking points of of this abortion ban is that it it it, it restricts women from getting an abortion after six weeks, regardless of rape, regardless of incest. And at six weeks, a lot of women don't know that they're pregnant yet. So it's a mess. I think one of the big things that you touched on, especially with that, is the how majority of the people that end up making these decisions are men, right? And it makes me wonder what it what is it about men looking to control 
what it is that a woman can and can't do with their body. That fascination to me is, is, is particularly, has always been particularly odd to me, right? Because we are, the, the burden of, the burden of who has to bear the child. I mean, dude, think about, think about the many different things that women have to deal with physiologically, right? Think about what the, the experience from a physiological standpoint, from what women feel, how complex that is and the different types of things that women have to be able to consider. There's a great book called um, Caroline Perez, in Invisible Woman, right? Just speaks about, and, and I'm pretty sure we've touched on this in this podcast before, but just the separate, the, the difference in how, the, the, the difference in how medicine and science ignores women. For instance, it's something as simple as a seatbelt. The seatbelt structure is not very conducive to women, let alone pregnant women, right? It's, it's, a, it's a very uncomfortable feature, but that's completely ignored. The same thing is that women have been able to register a higher threshold for pain. However, their pain is also the most likely to go undermined when they enter into a hospital, right? So there's, there's always been a, a great, a great disdain and disregard for the woman's physiological body, which has always been very sad and disgusting to me. So when I see these types of laws being put in place, that further perpetuates that 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 idiocracy of wanting to force women to trying to force and control a woman's body. Word, and I think that the root of all of that is patriarchy. Right. This idea that societies the world over for a variety of reasons have had men at the helm, have men setting public policy, have men largely funneled into careers related to engineering, um, city planning. Right. And so at an infrastructural level, men have created a world that reflects their own masculinity, i.e. seatbelts. Right. And so I think it's easy for us to agree that we need to dismantle that system. We need to elevate women into positions of power where they're making decisions, to, especially public policy related to infrastructure. Um, but I, I, just, I mean, it, again, I started, I opened this conversation by saying this is, this is one where men need to as as the group that has over time continually oppressed women in much the same way that we look to white people to do the work of unlearning and addressing the oppression that white colonialism has caused in the world it's up to us as men to examine ourselves and to examine the the systems that we on, we not only benefit from but perpetuate that put women in in shitty positions. And at the same time, it's very much a time for us to listen to women. It's very much a time for us to shut the fuck up and stop at the political level, at the governmental level, prescribing what needs to happen in order to create a society that, that cares for the health, mental and physical of women. So I, I, I want to take this a little bit more of a personal conversation, right? And just yeah. with take this opportunity to of course, double down on being allies of women, um, 
I think, I mean, I can free and clear say I'm pro-choice for women, and I have no qualms about that. Um, but I just wanted to, so I'll, I'll let you kind of, I'll let you speak for yourself on that. But I just wanted to get into a more personal discussion of like, as a man, right? As someone who recognizes that it's wrong for men to try and control what options women have, how do you feel about abortions? And without getting too, too deep in your own personal life, is that something you've ever had to confront or think about? Um, and what, where, where does this issue rest with you? At, it starts and ends with her choice, her body, right? It starts and ends over there, her choice, her body. Something that Gerard Carmichael said, actually, which is pretty hilarious. He said, oh, was it, a, it was Dave Chappelle. He says, if it's her choice, her body, it should be my, my wallet, my choice. He said, if you can, <laughs> nah, I'm not going to get deep, too deep into the joke of it. But um, it starts there, man. I think, I think that, that is the, the, main, the main thing about it, right? Is who does the, who does, where does the, the onus of the responsibility of this task lie on right we do know that the 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 majority of, of time and dedication that the sacrifice that comes from being able to bear a child it, it, it lies on the woman so it's it's like asking it's like asking um it's like asking a white community how they how they feel about police brutality right it, it, it's um what we're seeing at least is that that's how we're treating it right is that we're men are just like very disregarding of of what implications that has on on that group of people but it, it's woman's body woman's choice there's so many different things that can be considered when it comes to something that is as something like abortion and i think six weeks is just a particularly ridiculous short timeline to be able to even place from a law perspective that's ignorant of the the reproductive cycle that's ignorant of when women realize that they're pregnant or not the different ways that people can get pregnant or not you know that's that that's kind of what i get from it when i when i see those types of topics those types of headaches yeah thank you um my what, part, on your end what do you see yeah i i would say yeah similarly i like i like how you brought up that men seem to be, at least the men that I've interacted with, seem to be, you know, less the men that I've interacted with and more what I've seen in terms of public opinion is men that are, for whatever reason, be it religious, their political affiliations, very against abortion, or a bunch of guys that are just like, I don't don't know, man, I ain't stopping nobody from getting an abortion, so I don't know. But I think it's important for us to acknowledge that as privilege, right? That sense of like, I don't really know why I'm, you know, in much the same way as white people are like, that's messed up what happened to Mr. Floyd, bro. It's like, yeah, it is. And we can acknowledge that. But we also need to be better about raising our voices to say, not just mumble, that was messed up. But like, no, this is fucked up. I'm against this. I will be voting against this to whatever capacity that can make a difference. I will be paying very close attention to what candidates at every level have to say about abortion because I don't think it's right. And it's not a, that's messed up, man. It's a, no, I I care about this for the women in my life, 
for my sisters, for my girl, for my parents, for my aunts, for everybody, cousins, whoever it might be, right? Just the women in my community. Nah, we're not overlooking this. Nah, we're not shrugging this off. Nah, we are not. Uh, I'm, I'm, I don't want my state to look anything like Texas in regards to these rules. I don't want the women in my life to only have six weeks after they conceive a child to figure out what they're going to do. Because that's a decision that affects the rest of your life, right? And the life yeah. of your partner, and the life of your family. So to restrict that to that window is not something that I'm cool with. It's not something that I'm behind. Something that I need. I thought that we as men with a podcast that we get together every week to talk, have difficult conversations, needed to just express and be very, very clear about that, right? That this ain't a shrug. It's like, yo, if, if the women in my life, when we, we treat this with the same energy that we treat women's sexuality when it comes to sexual assault and gender-based violence, right? The women in my life, in my community, are uncomfortable, are feeling threatened, are feeling like their rights are not being upheld in the places where they live. And as a man, I'm raising my hand, I'm showing up where we need to show up, and I'm using my voice to to say that I'm with that. I'm in support of these women getting their freedom in every respect, having the freedom to be safe, having the freedom to have the health care that they need to handle whatever their business with their body is. So that's why it was really important for me to for me to bring it up, man. Um that's a big one. That's a big one. Their business, their body. I like how you put, I like how you, you you touched on that. Their business, their body, man. Let's stop all this. Let's stop all this men deciding what women do with their body stuff, man. This is outdated. It's it's not reflective of the mindset and an inclusive thought that is clearly the 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 future that we're moving towards. Let's stop. Let's let's stop. Let's stop ignoring the the implications that putting things into uh, legally binding people into things and what that means for for the women that have to make those decisions, what that means for their families, like Miles has said. We gotta stop that stuff, man. That's old thinking. That's old, old, old archaic thinking. That's 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 so far from what makes sense to us right now. And that's another thing that these old dudes gotta realize. Like, listen, you guys have your way of thinking, but it is incorrect and it is old. We do not agree with that. It does not resonate in today's society, and we don't support it. So get out of here with it. Yeah, and we're looking at you sideways, too, anybody that was really emphasizing women's rights in the conversation about Afghanistan, but is now mad silent when women's rights are being threatened here in the United States. We're keeping the same energy across the board. You dig me? You dig me? And with that, we're not letting these 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 things drop. You know what I'm saying? We still lifting up love for the people that are going through it in Afghanistan. Matter of fact, I think next week we should do a little review on Israel and Palestine because that's still a real situation. We talked about it. Blue. Yeah. We're gonna we're gonna give y'all a little bit of update on that next week. I think that's important, man. And this whole thing is just this this whole thing is about keeping that same energy, Joe. We we spend so much time talking about community, talking about lifting people up, talking about voices. We're using ours the way that we we, we we practice and what we preach, and we're trying to do something different, do something better. We're trying to provide y'all a level of content that is carefully curated, carefully, carefully, carefully curated in a different way for your cranium, man, so that y'all learn something, that y'all, you know, there's a there's a continuity with what we're trying to do mm-hmm. here, we're trying to keep that same energy. So if you feel like we're not keeping the same energy, if you have comments on any of the issues that we've talked about, please engage with us. Please let us know how you're feeling. We, and even if you disagree, vehemently, 
this is a discussion. This is a community. This isn't us just talking to each other. Mm-hmm. And this is, we welcome that for real, for real, for real. So lift up love for the motherfucking ladies. I'm going to insert the drop. And all the rest of y'all out there, you know what I'm saying? Yo, I'll tell you who is definitely lifting up love for the ladies as he does so, so well. It is indeed the time for us to get into the rec and review portion of the show. Who is lifting up love to the ladies? Nobody other than the certified lover boy, the king himself. Why you pull up the Take Care album cover? This is not the Take Care album cover. This is a shoot that he did. Love boy shoot. It looks just like the Take Care album cover. And I think that is the intention of that shoot for sure. So if that was the intention of the shoot, what did you feel like was the intention of this album? Because this, the, the tone, more so than any of his previous projects, the tone of this album and the circumstances of it affected my listening experience a lot more than they have with Drake albums in the past. Usually Drake albums are just a little snapshot, a different, just a whole different Drake's doing whatever Drake's doing and probably letting us know what the next little artist sound wave is going to be. But this felt a lot more situated in the current moment. It felt a lot more tethered to what we've been hearing and I just, it felt different to me. It just didn't feel like anything we've gotten from Drake before, really. What did you, what did you feel? Um, I, I enjoyed this album, actually, man. I enjoyed this album off of first listen. This is definitely a Drake album that I ran back to, ran back to more than I did to Views. I, did, I wasn't particularly fond of Views when I listened to it the first time. I wasn't particularly fond of, um... Uh, of uh, Scorpion very much either when when I when I heard that you know both of those gave me a little bit of an ear fatigue and I, I wasn't really able to revisit them but because it's Drake you're gonna hear it and if you are around beautiful woman it's gonna be playing so that was something that naturally you you know I I I always took the position of I will let whatever Drake good Drake song comes from this album make its way towards me. You know, there's some albums like that. There's some albums like, man, I can't wait to dive into this and I'm going to go into it. I'm going to dive into it. And then there's other albums where you're like, hey, man, whichever, whichever music is good that's going to come out of here, I'll hear that, right? This particular album, because we run a podcast, I was like, man, listen, let me, let me actually give this a good listen. And I must say I'm not a particularly massive Drake fan, right? I, as, you, as you can tell. But this album was very enjoyable to me. There was. I, I think from the cover art, right, he is declaring himself the king of right now. I think that's what all of it is. He's he's he he will infiltrate from a from a meme standpoint from the music videos that he's doing. Yeah, way too sexy music video that came in now with Kawhi. That I think that's indicative of it. The cover art, like I said, he's saying I am y'all are my sons, and he, and you know there's a lot of songs on this album that reference that Poppy's home, where it's just like, everything y'all are doing is things that I am doing. And I think on different parts of this album, that's what Drake's intention is, is to show that anything that these people think that they're doing 
he is the king of it and will do it from a viral standpoint, a trap standpoint, a ballot standpoint, whatever the case is. And so I think I'm hearing from you that it's, it's different than his previous projects. And you picked up on that as well, even if it just meant for you more spins, more rotation. And so what is, is that, is that what you would say is different than his previous projects? He's more insistent upon letting us know who he is and where he stands in the game. Actually, bro, like on honesty, listening to this album, because of what I expected from Drake, this was to me a very typical Drake type of album, right? You, you're going you're gonna to have many ballads. You're going to have songs that are particularly dedicated to women, right? Like, um, and, and then we're talking songs like uh, fucking fans. We're talking songs like um, TSU, if you will, which was a leak that I'm actually glad was able, was able to make it onto the album. Um, we're talking songs like uh, Race My Mind, Get Along Better. There, there's... There's a lot of that, right? There's a lot of Drake singing to his female fans, which has always been the least part of Drake that I enjoy. But the part of Drake that I enjoy, um, I saw him do... He, he, he did what he does. He gives us a few hip-hop tracks that slap. He gives us a, a, a good hip-hop ballad, usually with Weezy on it, which we always enjoy, but super, super dope. And many, many singing songs, right? But in this case, I found myself enjoying some of those singing songs a little bit better. Songs like, uh, songs like, um, particularly the Thames song, I thought that was super, super dope. The Poppy's Home, like I said, Champagne Poetry, the intro song was good before the switch down. Pipe Down is a slam. I love that Pipe Down. Yeah. So to piggyback on some of your points, I, I agree. I feel like this is the album where Drake is the most intentful about declaring who his place in the game, right? I remember listening to Scorpion and thinking it's incredible how natural it still sounds for him to be making these hits. When I heard God's plan, it didn't seem like, even if the music video was a perfectly planned, you know, uh, clout opportunity with giving away cash like the records have really struck me as like making hits really comes naturally to this dude yeah. right and 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 even if you got a little too much of scorpion with nice for what and you know all the singles that we got beforehand and by the time it the whole double disc comes out you're like a little oversaturated it still felt really natural to me listening to this album much like uh, Nothing Was The Same, the first couple of tracks being very rap-focused, like, I got a little bit of uh, Tuscan Leather vibes from the first two tracks on this album. Mm -hmm. and, I, and as somebody who really appreciates... My favorite Drake is... is scallop and wine, white wine, looking down from the penthouse, shitting on you niggas, Drake. Right? That... Look... Calm, confident, luxury rap is 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 my favorite Drake. I'm, I'm thinking of Lemon Pepper freestyle, bringing it all the way back to like the Aston Martin musics. That type of that is that is my type of Drake, especially when it's mixed in with the bars that are a little bit of condescending, 
but just just the right amount of of yeah just uh of braggadocio and 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 confidence and so to hear the album open that way with the caveat that to me throughout this whole project there was a little bit more convincing it sounded like he was doing a little bit more of trying to say i'm that guy right there was a little bit more why am like i'm the new jay-z y'all acknowledge it Whereas I've heard previous albums have just been like, I keep going, I keep going up, I keep ascending, it's crazy. And this one was the first time I, it felt like he was looking back for a little bit more of the recognition, a little bit more than he's getting. And- I mean- Go ahead. Finish the thought, finish the thought. I mean, but for more than anything, I just wanted, did you get that sense at all from it? That there's a little bit more of a, a little bit like we've always known Drake to be playfully bitter and playfully jaded, but this has sounded a little bit like, and maybe beefing with Kanye has had some, a little bit of that, a little bit of, of overlap where there's, he sounds a little bit like he's always been like, man, I deserve these flowers, but there's a little bit more and fucking give them to me in this one. Like it's, he said, he says it with those words, right? No friends in the industry. He says with uh, Love All with the Jay-Z feature, which I wasn't necessarily too mad at, not particularly my best, my favorite Jay-Z verse. You know what I'm saying? But I, I'll, I'll still take it because it's Jay and Drake and they do do things well together. Um, there, there was, on, 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 on this, there were a lot of moments that made me realize that the things, Drake does things that only Drake can do. There's certain things that only Drake can do as a rapper that a lot of people can't necessarily do. You have that in the Bible song with uh, Lil Durk and Giveon. That 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 awkward flow that Drake catches on that, that's only something that Drake can make enjoyable because it, it's not a particularly audio, it's, it's not a sonically pleasing sound, but because it's Drake on top of it, you'll be able to tolerate it more. Make It reminds me of when he did the Happy Birthday song, like, I don't know another rapper that put a happy birthday song on their album and have that be as as popular as it is, right? But that's 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 what you get with that's what you get with Drake. But outside of that, man, it's um it's to me it's it's him doing what he does exactly how he does it. And if consistency is any is any is any measure of of greatness, then you have to you have to give it up to him. He get he's putting out an album that's got some hits on it, put out an album that the ladies going to love, an album with the features for the dudes that want the features, everybody you want to see from a feature standpoint is there. Baby, Dirk, Jay, Travis Scott, Thug, Future, Savage, Thames, Wayne, Ross. I mean, that's who else, who else would you need in, you know, that's, that's, that's a, quite a feature list. I think you've, yeah, I think you've really well um kind of captured a lot of what i feel about about this album is that anything before it dropped that you were saying you want from a drake album you'd be hard pressed to say it isn't here if you prefer rapping drake if you prefer sing songy drake if you prefer uh vulnerable drake if you prefer bragging drake it's all here um as someone who is hyper hyper critical of hip-hop and lyrics there were some moments on this one where I felt like Drake traded that 
poignant relatability, especially like on songs like Emotionless on uh, Scorpion, where he's just breaking down the culture of flying people out and dating and in such a way that is bitingly relatable or being bitingly unreachable on this album. The things that he says he's doing, to your point, you can't do, I can't do, we're not, you know, and whether that's the way he's making songs or the type of the type of talk that he's giving out, this was a double down on like, I am that echelon above y'all. I should be looked at as a goat, a legend. I'm not in competition with any of your favorite rappers. But mm-hmm. there's 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 something in that that smacks of desperation, right? Mm. And if I can be as hip hop messy as as I can be. There's something in this album by Drake that wants to put him in a space where when Kendrick says, smoking on your top five tonight. Tonight. And I think that I think that he is still very much a part of that. He is still very much contemporary top five. He hasn't he's made some very popular music, but nothing that puts him in that echelon of untouchable right in a way that kanye is not there now but Kanye has been there and drake's never had that status of exceptional musical artist of beyond his generation in the way that a dark twisted fantasy gives it to yay in the way that a black album gives it to jay in the way that you know we've seen some of these other artists transcend the conversations where even if you're, even if they're not the hottest right now or the best lyricist right now, mm-hmm. their their place is cemented. And I think Drake is clawing and fighting for that when there are still artists like Kendrick that can expose a sensitive rapper and tuck him back in his pajama clothes, mm-hmm. and artists like Ye, where there's this interesting beef where Drake is certainly higher than Ye is now, but he's not higher than Ye's ever been. And I think that that's where a little bit of the desperation in this album. Smacks. That's controversial. You saying that as high as Drake is has is not as high as Gay has ever been? Is that what Come you're on, saying? The, the are you saying that? Are you are you do you do you disagree? Do you think that as at the peak of Kanye West's popularity, influence across musical genres, across fashion, across recognition as a name? Drake's a popular musical artist, but I don't think Drake I don't think Drake's highest point of relevance, I think it's dwarfed by Kanye West's highest point of, of relevance. I beg to differ when we consider that Drake got artist of the decade. Right now, what Kanye is is an by incredible who? who gave Drake artist of the decade? Drake got the Artist of the Decade Award in 2020. By, from that, who? That was the, from who? From Billboard. We was praising Billboard, but we were young. Now we yeah, look yeah, at I Billboard get, like, is you dumb? I, I get that, right? But like, those, that's the same barometer that Kanye West will flex when he says that he's dropped more number ones than anybody else, right? Which is a flex that he recently brought up from Billboards. He's had more Billboard number ones than anybody else. That's a feat that Kanye recently just um, just, just celebrated right now. That's not what I'm But all I'm, I'm saying, all, all, I, all, all I'm saying, yeah. all I'm saying is that Artists of the Decade 
is been given to this man, right? Drake has been given out as a decade. The difficulty about measuring Drake's greatness is that it's still happening right now. The question is, who, who's better, Kobe or LeBron? I don't think it's the same conversation. And I'll, and I'll double the question back on you. Drake, who, if, if Drake's peak and Kanye's peak occurred at the same time, who's more deserving of artist of the decade? If you can only if Drake's peak and Kanye's peak occurs at the same time, who's more? It's difficult to say because Drake is still in his peak, and 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 the issue and the problem with the peak, the Kanye peak that you're putting up, right, is that you're taking Kanye's cultural influence now and grouping it into his musical peak because those two things happen at a different time, right? You had a, a time where Kanye's musical peak and musical influence peak was at an all-time high. But then his fashion influence is was is dwarfed from what it is now, right? But now his musical peak is is, is, okay. is less take than take fashion out of it. Give me the between between Drake and Kanye West, give me the the three most influential art albums. So with Ye we're doing college no, no, dropout, no, no. like we're doing Three between both discographies, and you gotta give me between like you have all of Drake's discography and all of Kanye's discography. What are the three most influential albums in that mix? Now let's be careful to if we're getting into a conversation about discography, that's a different thing than peak stardom, right? Because the more we ask each other is peak stardom. I'm not talking about I'm talking about their I'm talking about their peak, not as not in terms of their celebrity, but in terms of yeah, what they like, what they their importance to the culture. So Drake makes a lot of popular songs, and you can pick any year over the past ten years, and there's going to be a Drake song that is you could argue is song of the year. But I don't think you can really compare any point in Drake's career to what Kanye has contributed in terms of just the wave that came after 808s and Heartbreak. The way you know what I mean? I the, get the, that. The, How many niggas started singing after Drake was singing? How many niggas started singing oh after on. Drake was singing, though? Listen, but, but for real, though, how many rapping ass, singing ass niggas happened after Take Care? Let's keep it real. Okay, okay, but okay, but the question always gets, who, who has influenced hip-hop more greatly, Kanye West or Drake? In, in what respect, though? Because it's Drake's general. influence on hip-hop is still occurring. Jason that's fine. Jason that's fine. Take, take everything up until this day into account. It's like it's like who has who has left? If we're talking about impact in hip hop, who to, who would you say has had a bigger impact in hip hop? Kanye West or Drake? I think it's it's I think it's very close. I think it's a lot closer than you want to allow it to to be. You had to pick one. If you had to be on one side, let me let me. I, I got a question. I got a question. I got a question that's going to help us get to this answer, right? Who is more comparable to the goat, which is Jay, right? We accept Jay as the goat. We put Jay up there on the throne. Who you would you saying you saying Kanye is more comparative from a artist standpoint, everything standpoint than. Than than Jay is to 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 Drake, yes. Which the is which is which is as we, yeah. The the biggest artist over over a decade, right? We're saying the biggest artist 
with consistency over a certain amount of time because the only person that I see putting up the numbers that Jay's putting up where there's hardly a miss over a long period of time where he's a chameleon, where he can shapeshift into different uh, sounds and countries and styles, pulling in Indian sounds, putting in this, putting in that, which is something that Kanye hasn't always necessarily done now to his defect, right? Now to something that has hurt him. Jay, for, and, and also at a time where a lot of the things that people didn't like about Jay are the things that make Kanye stand out, which is that Jay would take, uh, Jay would, Jay takes, ver Jay takes uh, flows. Jay takes, um, Jay tubs on pop sounds, right? There's an Indian verse Jay's going to drop on it. There's an Indian song Jay's going to drop on an Indian song. There's a, there's a, uh, what else did they, they say on Jay when it was doing the, when they were doing the, the bad boy sound. Jay jumped on the bad boy sound on Blueprint 2.1, right? That's what a lot of people were saying. That's the criticism of Jay, is that he'll look at what's hot, take that, refix it, and then push things forward. Kanye's separation from that was that Kanye doesn't necessarily do that, that's right? Fine. Kanye won't go against that. Now that's hurting Kanye. But Drake does exactly what Jay's doing with that. That's, I mean, that's, that's fine. But if you, but Drake and Jay-Z are more similar in personality and in their creative toolbox than Jay and Kanye. But as soon as we start talking about success, it becomes a different conversation. If we want to start talking about albums that have fucking shattered the bedrock of hip hop, we can kind of leave Drake out of that conversation and have a much more serious discussion about Reasonable Doubt, the Black Album, fucking, and Jay's discography, and graduation, college dropout, and My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy. If we're really talking about albums that people are talking about years later, people are talking about Take Care and talking about views, but we're not, they're not in the same conversation as the Black Album or My Dark Twisted Fantasy. Now we can talk about brands from there. Go ahead. And we can shift to brands. We look at Hove's brand and what Hove was able to do with Rock Aware, with Rock Nation with all of that. And then we can look at Yeezus and we can look at Yeezy and the shoes to the branding, right? We can look at artists that people have brought into the game. When you look at Jay bringing in a Beanie Siegel, bringing in a Kanye West. When you look at Kanye West being bringing in a Pusha T. When you look at the Rockaway family, the Rockefeller family, sorry, the Good Music Collaborative. And then you look at OVO. These conversations ain't lining up. When you look at Jay's relationship with a division or even a shattering of the weekend, that's a small fragment shadow of a Jay-Z and a Kanye West, right? It doesn't, it, it, it's, it's, there's a greater, you want to talk about longevity, then that's fine. But if you want to talk about currency's got longevity, my nigga, currency's been putting out quality music for Don't a do long that. Time. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. Because it's different putting out music, good music for a long time and putting out and being the best for a long time. That's, that, that's the, there's that, a big difference between those. And there's a huge difference between putting out popular music for a long time and setting the tone in hip hop for a long time. Right? Drake, Drake sets the tone in hip hop is what Drake I'm saying to you. On. To follow up on your comments, Drake hears what's coming next. Drake hears the Burner Boys. He hears the Block Boy JBs, and he goes and gets that. But Kanye determines that. Kanye sets the the tone, much in now, the same let way. Let me ask you. Let me ask you. After 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 
808s and uh, after 808s, right? After mm-hmm. 808s, what other remnants of Kanye's impact have we seen in hip hop? I would go with the huge one of Death Grips. Death Grips is is both influenced Jesus, but their popularity and the and the grunge sound that has kids all the way to Earl Sweatshirt and JPEG Mafia from Yeezus is a huge fucking you just, named, you just named you just named super underground artists now because if we're talking impact if, if we're talking impact what do we mean by impact in hip hop what are we saying about impact I'm talking about, I'm talking about a, I'm talking about there's like yo you can look at Yeezus and you can look at a whole sub genre of hip hop that broke off just be, that that not necessarily Yeezus started but that popped off because of the attention that Yeezus was able to bring to these industrial electric sounds and hip hop, right? These these intermittent uh, beat switches that have no bearing on the content of the song. We get we don't get a Brockhampton, we don't get an AG Club, we don't get like even Tyler's last two efforts without Yeezus, right? When we look at Drake, we can see oh this artist is gonna is going to blow. We can see, oh, this, like, oh, this, this, this sound that's taking Afrobeats is going to go crazy. But it's, we, it's not the same in terms of who pushed the music and who created what's going to come, come next from it. Drake's really good at being the first person you heard it from, but Ye's really good at making it possible. And the difference is, is that, when we speak about influence, because my my argument on top of both of these artists would be Wayne has the, the biggest influence o- over both of them. Wayne? I put, Wayne, I'd say Wayne has the bigger influence than all of them, all of these people. If we're looking at what people are doing now, let's look at what people are doing now. Let's look the same metrics that you're putting in. Who got fathered? Wayne fathered Drake. Wayne fathered yeah. Nikki. Wayne yeah. fathered the flow and style of all the hot people now on Drake's album are from Wayne, including yeah. Drake himself, right? So if, I put Wayne. Good. I, I put Wayne on top. Uh, I put Wayne on top of both of that. But all I'm saying with with the Drake Kanye thing, right? Is is do we accept that is Kanye a more influential producer or is he a more influential rapper? Because no one has sounded like Ye. After Ye has done rap wise, yeah. no one has taken Ye's sound like that. No one's bitten that really, really. And but everybody sounds like Drake. I gave these niggas the verse and even the hook. That's why every song sounds like Drake featuring Drake. That's what it says. Yeah. No, I hear that. And and if you if you take the production out of Kanye, like music wise influence, there's not there's not as much to stand on. If you say if you say Wayne. I say I would say I would say Wayne and Kanye as influence is, is is both inseparable and very comparable when you look at where these artists are now. When you look at the little Uzis of the world, when you look at all of these artists that are blowing up now, it's a marriage between the dreads mumbling through these bars but still killing y'all with the flows and the emotional beats the the different kind of electronic incorporated sounds that were built in by uh um 808s and heartbreak everything right now is is carter three meets 808s and heartbreak right and and cuddy you have to put cuddy in there because we don't get yay without getting a cuddy also at the same time that cuddy was dropping take care of um, the not take care the first the first uh october's very own drop right it dropped around that 
that same time. If, if my memory serves me correctly, I believe so, right? So, like, what I'm saying is that it is difficult to be able to, to, to say Drake doesn't have any influence when a lot of niggas started rapping and singing after Drake. A I'm lot not, of niggas started rapping and singing after Drake. I'm not saying Drake doesn't have any influence, but I'm, I'm saying if you are keeping the production in there, when you look at Kanye's influence on both sides, the production of high quality hip hop, like changing what it meant to have an overproduced hip hop song, right? When you, you talk about Just Blaze, you talk about Ninth Wonder, you talk about Kanye West, when you talk about the, taking hip hop to another level of grandiosity. And I just feel like, I feel like Drake has created a persona that a lot of people are trying to, you know, capture and, and ride off of that wave. But when you, when you, when you speak about hip hop in its various stages, hip hop in the doors you're opening from creating, taking Chief Keeps I Don't Like to one of the most recognizable hip hop songs in the world. I just think that there's a different level of influence that Kanye has had, even if we can both wholeheartedly agree that Drake's influence is higher now. Whole point is that Kanye's highest peak of influence musically, creatively, culturally, I would say, has firmly put him in that space of being a legend, being unfuckwittable, despite all the nonsense that he continues to do and continues to say and continues to put out. I don't think Drake has created anything. Sure, he has a lot of influence. One of the most popular artists now, but I don't think... Of all Drake time, has, of all time, of all yeah, time, of all time. Sure, but I don't think Drake has done enough to put himself in that untouchable bracket. And I think he's feeling that. That is crazy. That is crazy. Being the most streamed artist of all time, being the most popular artist of the uh, the decade, artist of the decade, artist of the decade, being Beyonce, being Rihanna, like being transcending, transcending hip hop and and establishing himself as a pop phenomenon, and then being able to still dominate the hip hop markets and dominate both of things, both those things, making it okay for hip hop stars to be pop artists. Like I, the the influence of my credit right now. I don't know about all that. We're, we're talking. We're talking about. We're talking about the that we're seeing. Stars to be pop artists. I don't know about. That. How about this? How about this? How about this? How about this? Hip hop now is the most profitable genre of music. Do you know what? I put that on. I put that on Fifty Cent. I put that on Fifty Cent before I put that. Hold on, on now. Hold on now. Let me ask the question. If hip hop now is the most popular, is the most profitable genre of music and the last decade has been dominated by this person drake changed the way that subscript that uh that uh apple contracts are signed with like how live streaming real shit they say that all the time that he changed he changed he 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 changed he's jordan to the weight the salary cap for streaming he is jordan he changed the scale in which people measure music that's what that that's what they they credit him with right so but if you want to talk about like streaming numbers and all of that stuff, then like, yeah, I don't have the numbers. I can general use. accolades. No, not gen- not general accolades. If you want to talk about how many how, like how many people are streaming his music in today's day and age, then like, yeah, that's fine. Drake's the but college dropout dropped when you had to go to the store to cop that mug on CD three times. 
that's a different that's a different level of commitment than opening my phone and seeing oh now I can listen to Certified Lover Boy. So for half of Kanye's career have exist to have existed in this physically dominated space. Some of the most influential aspects of his career, I remember buying graduation on the CD, right? So streaming-wise, Drake is the goat of streaming, no argument there. But I'm just, I'm just maybe, and maybe I'm audience let us know because I would love to have some other input into this conversation. But yeah, I would just say that that Kanye West has has. If you want to talk about where rap is in terms of being the most popular music genre in the world right now, I don't think you get there. I think it's much harder to imagine a world where hip hop gets there without Good Life, Jesus Walks, and everything that's on Kanye's albums than it is to imagine that, you know, as popular as Drake's music is, that it pushed hip hop to get there. I don't, I, I just. I... I don't know, man. I, I think I think um, if, if if not to flog a, a dead horse, like they would say in Scotland, right? Is if we look at artistical accomplishments and artistic heights in hip hop, I do agree that that there the height that Ye hit with my beautiful dark twisted fantasy from a creative perspective, from a sonic and and delivery perspective is a height that I don't think anything that Drake has to ha- that Drake has, right? I want to be able to even credit Ye with the, the the introducing sampling into hip hop, but then we have to consider Della. We have to consider Liv. We have to consider so many different things that precede that sound. He did it to a different level, but there was a whole architecture of being able to sample that existed that allowed Ye to be able to push to to do what he did and then popularize that sound for a particular time. At any point within the last time, within the last decade, Drake's sound has been the sound of the time because it, he's the biggest artist. Now, if Kendrick was as active, maybe it's a different conversation regarding impact and whatever the case is, because when we start bringing Kendrick in, then that conversation even begins, becomes more embarrassing when we talk about the influence that, that Kendrick has, right? But like. That's that's where I put the differences, man. Is that artistic heights? Yay tops Drake. But when it comes to popularity and influence and and cultural cultural and then hip just hip hop dominance. Hip hop dominance, I think, is the biggest thing. It's the the dominance of 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 hip hop. It's unquestioned who's the biggest artist right now. Yeah, it's definitely it's and definitely, has been for a while. Yeah, it's definitely Drake. He's been the biggest artist for a while. Yeah, it would just be it would be really interesting to be able to compare the fervor of backpack Kanye, Kanye Bear, Kanye. Kanye had niggas wearing window shade sunglasses in public, my G. I don't of various multicolored different. And you could buy those in JCPenney, you could buy those at the gas station, you could and that's just that is just Kanye. So culturally, there's still a conversation to be had there. We hope you guys join into that conversation. I think we've spent a great deal of time on this, although you did bring in sampling and, and Drake has been getting in a little bit of trouble for that R. Kelly sample on the record, uh, TSU. Uh, but it doesn't yeah. seem to 
it doesn't seem like you you, you want to get too much into that. We spent a good deal. Nah, that's not that's not what I was saying. That's not that's not what I was that's not what I was saying at all. But um, yeah, that you that, listen, people. This is called carefully curated content for Ukrainian. Sometimes you have to take positions in order for the sake of the content. And you see how we do it over here, man. Who else is giving y'all this type of Drake v Kanye? They still talking about beefs. We talking about real important topics. So tell me, sir, from an official ranking standpoint, who, what do you have? Uh, what do you have this album? Oh, good question. Um, this, 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 this uh, certified lover boy is a on a first listen. It's a solid three point five, and I feel really good about that, considering I really liked the ESTG, and I gave that a three point five. Um, it's it's. And I reserve the right to change that to to maybe lift it up again. I really like rap and Drake, but yeah, there's just a little bit of there's a little like I said, it's a little bit more. It's like it's trying to be awe inspiring, and I miss a little bit of the relatability. So three point five out of five for me. What about you? I'll give it a three point five out of five as well. I think um, there's I gave that to a few albums that I enjoyed. Uh, I think 3.5 is the standard. Yeah, I liked it. Uh, you know what I mean? Um, I do love um, No Industry Friends, uh, Poppy's Home, Pipe Down, um, that Way Too Sexy, uh, Champagne, uh, the, that Yeba outro. Oh, my goodness. That is such beautiful music. Drake has such a great eye at picking out these, in these interludes and outros. That's super, super dope. 3.5 out of 5 for me. Yes, sir. Listen, y'all feel strongly about yay, Drake, music, hip hop, Yeezus sunglasses? Hit us up in the comments. You know what I'm saying? We're happy to to uh, revisit any of this part parts of this conversation that are reviewed and recommended by y'all. Man, that's what this whole segment is about. It's recommending what we think is cool and reviewing. You say we should get into. Um, we could even revisit that that Drake R Kelly sample. If any of y'all that are listening want that content but we gonna wrap it up because we know we know we know y'all got a lot of choices man y'all probably had to scroll past some of those choices just to get to this podcast right here we are working real hard to make sure that every time you scroll on a tuesday we pop up so we appreciate y'all being patient we appreciate y'all rocking with us we appreciate y'all celebrating this celebration of celebrations you know what I mean? For appreciating us, rocking with us throughout the celebration of life and love and how good it feels to be black. Don't it feel good this way? My favorite thing, y'all. And we hope it feels good to be you. We hope it feels good to listen to all this new music that's coming out. Whether you're a fan of Kanye, Donda, Snow Allegra, Vince Staples, Isaiah Rashad, ESTG, 42 Doug. You know what I'm saying? There's something out there for you. We hope you listen to it while you are eating something delicious, hugging somebody you love like that. From Ember, from motherfucking Joe Berg, from wherever you at, peace, love, water, be gone.